Derek, I think we believe it, man. I think we believe it. Hey, welcome, everybody. Thanks for being with us this morning at East Brainerd. We're so happy to have you. I already have had some of our church family with us earlier this morning at uh, 9 a.m. I know we have a uh, church family who's watching online with us. Thanks so much for uh, doing that and for being a part with us. Uh, also, over in our Family Life Center right now, we have a Spanish language service that is going on. And so we're excited about uh, that offering as well. And so many individuals who are able to, uh, to get back out, feeling more comfortable getting out. Uh, I know I have uh, seen people this morning who said, hey, we've been watching you online. We're out and in person. And I said, look, I'm a lot bigger um, in person uh, than online and a lot shorter too. Um, that's, uh, that's, how it's, uh, that's how it works. It can be uh, very um, disconcerting when people meet you in person after seeing you on, online. Hey, we're so glad, though, that you are with us. If you are new here, uh, we would love for you to text CONNECT to 423-455-5530. Hopefully you'll see one of these on the pew back uh, that's in front of you. There are also on little placards that are out in our lobby on uh, the columns as well. Uh, we'd appreciate if you'd do that. Just text the word CONNECT. And then you'll receive a response um, after that and just follow those prompts. If you're a returning guest, if you're a part of our East Brainerd family, we ask that you pull out your phone and turn on your camera and then scan the um, QR code there and you'll have an opportunity to check in as, as well. Again, you can do this on any of the little uh, postcards here that are on the backs of your pews or also on the larger ones that are out in uh, the lobby. And we appreciate everybody helping us out, helping us out with that each week. Uh, hey, speaking of each week, we're going to, um, at the end of our time today, kind of give you an update of how things are looking going into to May with some of our COVID protocols. So hang with us uh, until we uh, say goodbye today, and we'll catch you up on kind of how things are going to be looking around here, at least going into May as we're looking for, for the summer. I need to have uh, a time where I can ask you an awkward question this morning. And we're not supposed to ask awkward questions, especially at church, because awkward questions just don't make you feel good, right? So you're on a date, and the person that you're with <laughs> looks at you and says, are, are, are you just hungry, or do you always order this much? I mean, that's an awkward question, right? Or you go on a job interview, and you, you're asked, what is your spirit animal? I mean, that can be an awkward question, right, Tori? I mean, uh, and, and what was Tori's answer? Sloth. That, I, I think it was an awkward response and an awkward question, right? Uh, but yet, uh, if you're going for a job interview, Tori knows to tell you, do not say your spirit animal is a sloth. Don't do that. does not work out well. Or how about you're on a job interview, and they look at you and say, does your college GPA give us an accurate reflection of your work potential? Well, that could be an awkward question to try to, to, try to answer, right? Or maybe, you know, husbands and wives have some awkward questions, like, does this look infected? I mean, that's an awkward question. Um, and, and those of you that are laughing the most, I mean, you've had that question asked to you, right? I mean, you know how that goes. And so, but I, I, have, I have an awkward question this morning. It's a serious one. But it does create for an awkward moment for the child of God. And the question is this. How serious are you about starting your life new with the Lord? I mean, how serious are you? If you've been with us over the last few weeks you understand that, that we've kind of been walking through this idea that new begins now. And I just want to know, how, how vital is it for you to do more than just to get through life or just to cope with life or, or just to deal with life? How urgent 
do you desire to experience the power of Jesus' resurrection in your life? Because the Apostle Paul believes that the resurrection of Jesus has given us a new power that believers in that resurrection have access to. In Ephesians chapter 1, Paul says, that My prayer is that you would know, that you would experience the power of Jesus' resurrection in your life. Paul says, I pray that you would understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe in him. Okay, that, that includes us. And he says, it's the same power that brought Christ back from the dead. Paul tells these Christians that, look, the same power that gave Jesus life was, is able to give you life. And that life means a new hope, and it means a new purpose, and it means a new perspective. You see, because of the resurrection of Jesus, well, you and I, we can move beyond an existence of doubt and, and fear, of, of anger and hate, of self-will and pride. From Paul's perspective, the incomparably great power that brought Christ back from the dead, well, that is also to be the power by which the child of God lives each and every day. So there's this strength from God that is available to every single believer in Jesus. A strength that enables us to overcome temptation, to reorder priorities. It's a strength and it's a, a power that can change your conversations. And it's a strength and power that can restore your relationships and provide peace for your soul. And the neat thing is, is that the verb tense that Paul uses, as he says, I want you to know this power. He uses this verb tense that makes clear that the believers in Jesus can know this power right here and right now. Not one day, not someday, but today. The fact that new begins now. But back to my awkward question. How serious are you? I mean, how serious are you about a new life with God? And I ask this because I've noticed through my years of ministry that, that more often than not, the longer that we are in church the more comfortable we become with where we are spiritually. I mean, we just kind of settle into our lane. And our lane, man, it, it feels good. And you know what? We acknowledge God. We believe in God. But we, won't, we don't want God to come and mess up anything. We, we don't really want God to come in and make us uncomfortable and upend our habits or our routines. I mean, we have, we've accepted his existence we believe that he is here, but we've denied that he's here. And, and as a result, I think we have adopted this extrinsic spirituality. Extrinsic spirituality, one that, one that is filled with external markers of righteousness. So we come to a church service and we give some money and we volunteer to feed some hungry people and we feel like, well, that means we're spiritually alive. Yet all the while, the intrinsic markers of faith and, and hope and, and love, well, these barely register in our life. New begins now. And, and this isn't just some catchy title, and it's not just something for those who are new to the Christian faith. New begins now is a promise for each of us, because if we're honest, we all need a little bit of spiritual refreshment. But perhaps we don't even understand how thirsty we are. You know, it's not uncommon for individuals as they age to get to a point where they don't take in enough fluids. They don't take in enough fluids and their body begins to shut down. And in fact, the last couple of times that, 
that Tanya's grandmother has had to go in to the hospital. It was due to dehydration. She just wasn't getting enough fluid for her body to function properly. Now, she didn't do this on purpose. She just didn't think about it anymore. And I know for some of you, you've had family members who have similar situations that all of a sudden things just start going wrong with their, their physical body and you end up taking them to the doctor and it's like, well, they're just dehydrated. They just need fluid. And it's like, well, they didn't even know that they were thirsty. I wonder if that's kind of how we are in our spiritual life. That we're so spiritually dehydrated and yet we don't even realize it. Don't even think about it. And so we can have messages about the resurrection and we can have messages about the power of God being available in our lives and we go, ah, oh, that's great. That's cool. That's church. On the last and greatest day of the festival, John would write in his gospel, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as Scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow within them. John then adds, by this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. He's talking about you, and he's talking about me. He's talking about everybody that would come later. Jesus saying, I know that you're thirsty. I know that your soul needs more than what you currently have. This was his message to religious people. He says, the life that your parched soul craves is now available as you learn to live moment by moment with God, connected to that vine and connected with the Spirit. And I think as we become more comfortable with God's presence, we begin to experience this power, the power of his life flowing into our often dead lives. It's a power, I think, that brings peace during the midst of storms and a power that provides self-control even when we're angry and a power to live a life of freedom from sins that have enslaved us. It's a power to be able to develop deep and, and lasting relationships and a power to even forgive those people who are difficult in our lives. And this is something that's available to every person who accepts God's grace exchange. You see, we bring to God a soul that is broken and a, a soul that is busted and dead due to sin. And God says, look, I'm going to give you something new. It's why Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 that anyone who belongs to Christ, notice this, has become a new person. A new person. The old life is gone and a new life has begun. God is actually willing to... God's not going to food as you learn to know your creator. And maybe you look back over the last week, me, all this last week, how do a continuous Maybe it's just a reminder for you to be still. Where you seek and recognize God's presence. And then you allow the time that you spend recognizing God's You're looking to make different decisions and you say, what is God's will right here? How can I best honor God with this choice? You see, I, I think we need something to interrupt our habit of not giving God a second thought most of our day. Interrupt us so that we can turn to him and allow him to break in and lead us and guide us. And so for the next 60 days, I'm asking that you commit to staying in increasingly constant contact with God. So put sticky notes up on, you know, your mirror that says, you know, God 360. Put something in your car. Put it on your computer screen. God 360, a reminder of the goal to stay consciously aware all throughout your day that God is with you and in you and desires to renew the relationship that you guys share together. So let me give you a place to start. 
It's like, all right, God 360 sounds great. I have no idea what I need to do. All right, you've got a phone. You've, you've got a watch. I think you can figure that one out. Set up three different times. Again, it can be any time that you want, morning, noon, night, whatever you want to do. You set it up, all right? And, and here's a great way to start. The one thing that I think has marked every time of renewal and revival in Christian history has been a passionate commitment to praying for God's presence. It's the centerpiece. See, I believe that God is passionate about renewing and restoring his people. I really believe that God greatly desires to bring healing and revival to our faith communities and to our neighborhoods. He wants to heal, and he wants to forgive, and he wants to make new. You see anything in our communities that need to change? You see anything in, in our country? Do you see anything in this world that needs to be different? Do you see anything in, in your relationship at home? Do you see anything that's going on at, at work? Do you notice the chaos that's around and think, man, something needs to change? Well, I promise you, God wants to bring that change. New begins now when God's people get on their knees and humble themselves and seek God and ask him to refresh their lives. So what characteristics mark a God 360-type prayer? I mean, if we're going to uh, be praying, if we're going to be focused on this, what are the attributes of, of prayer that seek renewal? Well, the first attribute, I think, is characterized by brokenness. By brokenness. God always visits his people when they reach a point of desperation. When they surrender their pride, when they stop saying, hey, I can get through this on my own. I've got the answers. I've got the strategy. I've got the plan. And I'm going to be fine. Renewal comes when there are no barriers and there's, there's no pretending. And when you finally say, you know what? I am in a rut and I am just stuck and I am just comfortable and I haven't been relying on God. David would say, Father, you do not desire a sacrifice or I would offer you one. You do not want a burnt offering because the sacrifices uh, that you desire is a broken spirit. He said, you will not reject a broken and penitent heart, O God. See, only the broken heart is big enough for God to dwell in. The broken hearts are rare today. And broken churches are rarer still. Last night, Jake Geddes, who is in town to, um, he's interviewing to work with our staff and, and work with our youth. Uh, he mentioned to uh, the young people, our students last night, that something he learned when, when he was growing up in youth ministry he heard his youth minister say that the broken are the builders of God's kingdom. I like that. By the conditions that they recognize in their lives. If you're not willing to, to admit your need for God, there's not going to be any renewal that comes. So renewal praying is characterized by brokenness. You're going to pray as a marathoner. Right? You're going to pray for the long haul. Easter yet. Man, you're just past the start. Nothing has happened yet. And you keep praying. You got to, but he wrestled with the angel of the Lord, and the angel of the Lord was going to leave him. Remember what Jacob did as he held on? The angel of the Lord said, let me go. And Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. You see, renewal praying is refusing to let go of your access to God. And so I want to challenge you in the coming weeks to pray for God to come powerfully to this church and to our city and to touch the lives of the people in our community. 
And I challenge you to pray for God to bring renewal to your own individual spiritual life. And bombard heaven with the prayers and say, God, I'm not giving up. And I'm not going to stop praying for my son or my daughter. I'm not going to stop praying for my marriage. And I'm not going to stop praying for the people in my neighborhood. And I'm not going to stop praying for my leaders. And I'm not going to stop praying for those that I know have something against me. Father, I'm just going to keep praying because I believe that you will answer. Renewal praying is characterized by brokenness and by earnestness. And then I also think it's characterized by holiness. Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters, Isaiah would write. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on them and to our God for he will freely pardon. Do you see the attitude? Do you see the spirit that is being talked about there? David said in Psalm 66 and verse 18, if I had cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. God has not promised to respond to the prayers of people who cherish sin. So what is it that God, what is God waiting for you to be willing to give up? What is God waiting for me to be willing to set aside? You know, we come to church each week and and some of us, we know how this is. I mean, we know that we are cherishing secret sins. And there's mistrust and suspicion of brothers and sisters, or there's gossip and, and slander and, and greed and all kinds of sin. And we can pray and we can pray until we're blue in the face for renewal, but until we pray desiring holiness, God has said, I'm not going to respond. So what is it that I need to be willing to give up? To be serious with God. You know, past revivals de declare that God will visit when he's genuinely invited. But I think the real question is, do we really want God to come? I mean, do I really want a God 360 life? Do you want that? I think it's a fair question. H have you ever asked someone to come visit you and you, did you really didn't want them to? I mean, let, let's say that you saw somebody you hadn't seen, maybe somebody you went to college with, and, and because you're from the South and you're a good Southern person, you're like, hey, next time you're in Chattanooga, why don't you stop by the house, right? Now, you don't intend for them to stop by the house. I mean, it's just something you say, right? And then all of a sudden, you know, it's like, hey, who's at the door? I think it's that buddy of yours from college. You're like, he came? What? I mean, he, he thought I was serious. Right? He thought I really wanted him to come. And I wonder if we do the same thing with God. I wonder if we invite God, if we talk about his power, if we sing praises about the change that he brings in life. But we really don't want him to show up. I mean, we really don't want to have to change our habits. and We don't want to have to change our routine and and, and we don't want to have to change this relationship. And, and we don't want to have to change the way we talk. And we don't want to have to change the way we spend our money. And, and we don't want to have to change the way that we're, we're treating other people and the way that we're thinking about people. We don't want to change any of that stuff. God, I know I told you I wanted you to come, but I would really rather you visit somebody else. How serious are you about being made new with God? 
Do you really want a 360 life? Man, God hopes so. God hopes that you're going to say, yes. Man, this is the life that I want. We've got to be serious. You know, for the first 45 years of his life, Frank Lawback lived a pretty average life. Yet on his 46th birthday, he began to go through kind of a, a midlife crisis. And so he wrote down in his journal, I no longer have the sense that life is all before me as I had just a few years ago. Some of it is behind, and a miserable poor part it is. So far below what I had dreamed that I dared not even think about it. I mean, have you, have you gotten to that point? Have you done a, like a, an overview of your life and kind of seen where you're at right now? You're like, man, I'm really not pleased with where I'm at. I'm, re I'm really not happy with where things are. Have you done that kind of assessment when it comes to your life spiritually? And you, you kind of thought, all right, I thought really by the time that I got here, I thought by the time that, you know, that I had kids, I thought by the time the kids were out of the house, I thought by the time that I was a grandparent, I thought that by this, you know, whatever the time is, you said, I really thought I'd be in a different place. Well, that's what, that's what Mr. Laubach thought. And so the year was 1930. And despite the fact that his first 45 years had been a disappointment for him, something changed. Because by the time he passed away, 40 years later in 1970, he had been voted the man of the year, man of the year in America. And he was considered to be perhaps the single greatest educator of modern times. You see, in his life, Laubach developed the Each One Teach One literacy campaign, used to teach 60 million people to read in their own language all across the globe. He wrote over 50 books, and he became an international presence in, in literacy and religious and government circles. He had influence on poverty and injustice and illiteracy worldwide. But what happened in 1930? What happened that changed Frank Laubach? But I'm going to let his own words tell you. See, he began experimenting with a renewing, revolutionary kind of prayer that changed everything. And again, he wrote in his journal that would later be titled and published Practicing His Presence. He said, two years ago, I, a profound dissatisfaction led me to begin trying to line up my actions with the will of God about every 15 minutes or every half hour. This year... He says, I have started out to live all my waking moments in conscious listening to the inner voice asking without ceasing, what, Father, do you desire this minute? Now think about that. God, what do you desire right here, right now? I mean, what if you had the answer to that question? What if you said, God, what do you want from me right here, right now, at this moment, and you realize, oh, this is it. What if God were to say, I want you to be serious about your faith? What if God were to say, I need you to repent of that secret sin? Well, what if God were to say, I need you to go restore that relationship? What if God were to say, I need you to speak up where other people are being silent? That was the quest that Frank went on. Now, I'm only asking that three times a day for 60 days, Right? And he was like, every 30 seconds, every, every minute. And he said, because it was clear that this is exactly what Jesus was doing every single day. So after 60 days, what did he think? He wrote, the experiment is interesting, although I'm not very successful thus far. The thoughts of God slip out of my sight for, I suppose, two-thirds every day. 
Yet this thing of keeping in constant touch with God is the most amazing thing that I have ever ran across. He said, things which I did with a strain before I now do easily and with no effort whatsoever. He said, I worry about nothing. I lose no sleep. If God is there, the universe is with me. My task is simple and clear. That was after 60 days. After a year, he would make this journal entry. It is difficult to convey to another the joy of having broken in to the new sea of realizing God's hereness. He said, how I wish, wish, wish that a dozen or more persons would try this. The results, I think, would astound the world. God's hereness. God 360. Three times a day for 60 days. How I wish, wish, wish that it may be a dozen, two dozen. All of you would try it. The world may never know the difference. You know, the world may never know what you began to do today, but you will see the difference. And the people around you will see the difference. Because new begins now. And the power that raised Jesus from the dead is the same power that is available to those who believe in that very resurrection. So come, all you who are thirsty, and offer a prayer of brokenness. Offer a prayer of eagerness and holiness. And commit today to keep in constant contact with God. How about we kick it off with prayer? Father, we do become so very comfortable. And we just get in our own lane and we just do our own thing. And we believe in you and we talk about your existence. And we come to services like this and, and, and we try to do different Bible readings and we try to set up prayer times. But Father, we just get so stuck sometimes. And to be honest, there is a thirst within us that we oftentimes go to empty wells looking to find fulfillment. Thank you for not abandoning us. Thank you for not leaving us to our own path and to our own motives. Thank you for desiring to, to fill us and to renew us. May we have the courage to seek that, to actually ask that, that you are present in our lives. Father, will you give us the courage and conviction this morning to, to set up a timer so that for three times a day, for 60 days, we'll stop and we'll remember three times at a minimum, Father, that we would, that, that we would recognize you and begin to ask, Lord, what do you want from me this very minute? And Father, we know that you desire more than just 60 days, that you want our life, but, but sometimes we need something that's going to reboot everything and that we need something that is going to just start everything over. And so would you use this opportunity and this experiment to be that device so that we might experience better you 360 in our life? Father, we need to invite you in to change things. And we need to be willing to be transformed and to, 
Allow us to look more like your son. No matter how long we've been a believer, no, no matter our age, physically or spiritually, Father, you desire to transform us, but we first must offer ourselves before you. So may we today lay ourselves down upon your altar and may we say, Lord, change us. And Father, we know that because of your promise that you will respond, that you will respond when we pray with, with eager brokenness and holiness. And so we claim that promise this morning. We claim it individually, Father. We claim it as a church, as a whole. And we do ask for you to be mighty in our midst. We do ask that you be mighty in our community and in our neighborhoods. We ask that you be mighty in our nation and, Father, to be mighty in this world and to use us as your instruments of righteousness. What would you have of us this minute? Father, make us serious about renewal. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for the power that comes through his resurrection, for the salvation that comes through the cross, and for the opportunity that we have had today to be brought closer. It's in Jesus' name.